season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Strigland and I'm the host. Today we've got the second former IU Hoosier on the show today. We've got current Boston Red Sox prospect drafted in 2021. we got Matt Litwicky out of the region, Northwest Indiana. Great episode yesterday with Tommy Summer. Another great episode today with Matt Litwicky. I'm excited to have both these IU Hoosiers on the show. Um, always like to support those Hoosiers. Today, Matt and I, we discuss his Tommy John story, which is actually a pretty rare story I found really fascinating. Talk about some of his bonds he had with his IU teammates, those guys he was pretty close with. He'd hang out before, after games. Also talk about his agent selection process with Nello Gambardino, also the same agent as Tommy Summer from yesterday. Also talk about kicking it back and having some beers around the fire. So let's dig into that, and I hope you guys enjoy. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have another former Hoosier, 2021 MLB draft pick, current pitcher in the Red Sox organization. We got Matt Litwicky on the show. Matt, I was a big fan of you when you were uh, playing here at the bar here in Bloomington. I'm excited to see how you're doing. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm, you know, I'm happy to be here and get a chance to catch up with you. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. Uh, one question I always like to start off with everybody um, that comes on the show is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Yeah, just uh, Matt Lewicki from Dyer, Indiana. Definitely a Hoosier, born and raised. Loved uh, my time in Indiana and definitely trying to make all those Hoosiers proud. Yeah, yeah. So you say you're a Hoosier. I kind of do want to dig into that recruiting process a little bit before I move on to your career um, after school and in college. But how exactly did that recruiting process start for you? And when did you start talking to some D1 teams? Yeah, so my recruiting process was – it was quick, actually, for Indiana. I uh, I was a freshman in high school, and I was playing up on a travel team. And it actually kind of worked out perfectly because I was starting a game, and Lamonis, the old coaches, Lamonis, Cheesebro, Bun, they were all – watching Skylar Zinski throw who was a commit to Indiana at the time and his team played prior to me so they kind of just stuck around you know watched some baseball and I ended up throwing that day and I threw well I like I threw hard for my age at that point so they gave me a call and then from there on it took me maybe probably like two weeks just to kind of fully just say yeah I'm definitely coming to Indiana yeah Skylar Zinski he played for Penn right Yes. Okay. I remember being a high school kid following him a little bit, and he got drafted by the Diamondbacks, I believe. Diamondbacks or Athletics. I know that he went early in that draft because, I mean, he was throwing yeah. bullets yeah. in high how, school. How fast were you throwing in high school? Uh, I think I was, I was up to, like, 95. Yeah. So did you receive any other offers besides IU, even though it was just a two-week span, but did you receive any other offers before you committed? Uh, I had calls from a couple other Big Ten schools, but to be honest, like my all my cousins went to Indiana, so it kind of just was 
once Indiana offered me, I was, I knew that I wanted to go there. So it kind of just stuck with me. Yeah. Your brother's here too, right? Yeah. He is a senior there right now. I was going to say, I think I work with someone that's in his frat or something like that. I, I remember them saying that uh, you have a younger brother who's here too, and they're in his frat, but what, what year did you end up committing to IU? Like, was that your sophomore or junior year? No, I committed. I was our second commit in our class right behind Elijah Dunham out of Evansville. Okay. Uh, so I committed my freshman year. Okay. That was a legit uh, freshman class coming in because that had Richardson, Barr, you, Tommy Summer. Was Beerman yeah. McCade in that class as well? No. Actually, McCade, Beerman, and Richardson were the year after us, but we okay. had – we had me, Cole Barr, Tommy Summer, Elijah Dunham, a bunch of good, you know, young talent. Yeah, Scott, he was in that as well, right, Brayden? No, so Brayden okay. was a JUCO transfer. Okay. Yeah, he, he went through the ringer when it comes down to that type of stuff. Well, I've got him coming on at some point too, so I'm sure we'll dig into that, talk about the JUCO, JUCO lifestyle. Oh yeah, you definitely you got to ask him about his recruiting process because he's a he's got a great story for that one. That's for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I got him coming on sometime. I've got you, Tommy, and Braden coming on the same. Like I'm gonna uh, drop them like the same weekend. Yeah. Uh, you played for Apex Baseball, right? Yeah, I did. So, so how did you get connected with them, and how how did they help you overall, um, just in your baseball career as a whole? Yeah, so it actually worked out perfect because my pitching coach at that time he was one of the coaches for apex so it kind of worked out hand in hand pitching coach summer ball coach so it was kind of killing two birds with one stone getting to accomplish all that in one summer per summer yeah yeah so you got the opportunity to play for jeff mercer and chris lamonis obviously both great coaches i've heard great things about both of them but what would you say some of the biggest differences were between them both Biggest differences, I say I would say they're similar in a couple ways, but definitely different in kind of the approach on like training, like more like weight room training. Uh, Lamonis was a little bit more. You want us to be well conditioned. You want us to be able to be explosive and kind of like almost play on the lighter side. I would say, but Mercer definitely wanted us to be the strongest dudes on the field at all times, be like a physical presence, like just kind of assert that level of dominance just by seeing us walk into the field as well. Yeah. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Being in the weight room a lot. I have no problem with that. Oh yeah. No, we, uh, we definitely thrived in yeah. that type of environment. Yeah. What were some of the workouts that you guys did? Cause I know a lot of like college athletes, they don't really focus on like those four main lifts that high schoolers do, but what were some of the workouts that you guys would be a part of? Yeah, for like pitchers, we did like a lot of obviously like a lot of core. Uh, we stayed away from the straight bar bench, but we definitely did get our dumbbell bench in. Uh, a whole bunch of different variations, I guess, of the core four lifts, just kind of based more on staying stable opposed to just, you know, kind of up and down moving the weight. It was a lot of different like lateral lunges stuff like that different type of like movement patterns opposed to those four lifts yeah so besides getting super strong in the weight room what were some of the other things you'd credit the coaching staff to helping you out with the most honestly I would say off like a lot of my development through the coaching staff both Lamonis and Mercer they both helped me really grow up 
and like understand like you're not just here as a baseball player and student you're really here to develop in all aspects of life and honestly I went into college pretty immature pretty you know I had a huge head uh, as anybody who goes to a like a big 10 school or anywhere to play baseball I mean I had a huge head I was cocky arrogant it just kind of all kind they taught me how to handle things properly how to grow up quick how to you know, handle different uh, adversity and kind of just get a, a proper head on my shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. So when you came in as an underclassman saying you were kind of cocky as an underclassman, were there some upperclassmen that kind of took you under their wing and teach uh, like just taught you the way the ropes of playing college baseball? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had a great upper uh, class pitching staff and hitting hitters so I mean it was easy to learn from like a guy like Matt Lloyd who did both he was obviously pitcher and hitter and he succeeded at both so it was easy to kind of follow under his wing and he was always willing to help mostly after when I had Tommy John my freshman year he definitely helped me kind of stay positive about the whole situation no matter how monotonous it got no matter how much I was dragging each day or if it was bugging me off the field too, he kind of, you know, helped me get through it. Yeah. So you bring up Tommy John. I know you've kind of got like a, a different Tommy John story than what most do. So could you kind of take us through that story, how you worked through it and how you actually ended up getting the surgery? Yeah. So uh, I was informed that I had a torn UCL in high school. Uh, well, they didn't say it was torn, but they said it was on the blink of tearing so it was like fraying so they said that I should probably get the surgery but to be honest like I really didn't want to get it because I wanted you know to keep competing I didn't want to sit out for a time so what I did in high school was I literally just took like duct tape and wrapped my arm with it throughout like uh, from like sophomore year to senior year of high school I was just wrapping my arm with duct tape and kind of pitching with it like that but once I got to Indiana and I was kind of figuring out that I can't really, I won't be able to accomplish the things I want to accomplish while I'm hurt. Lamonis sent me to Dr. Kremchuk out of Cincinnati. We kind of, you know, went through the whole scope, seeing if, you know, I really need the surgery or not. And we decided that the surgery was the right route. So I got it done November 17th of 2017. Yeah. Well, man, that's a bulldog mentality to go two. I didn't realize it was two full years or even three baseball seasons wearing that duct tape. I mean, I, I like I heard I heard you talking about it once on I think maybe it was a different podcast, but I didn't realize it was for like three baseball seasons. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I was young, dumb, and stupid, as you say, but uh, you know, the competitive side kind of overtakes you know the yep. actual thinking side of the head when it comes down to an athlete mostly when you're in high school you just want to be competitive at any level so looking back at it now do I regret it not so much but I think I probably should have got the surgery a little earlier but yeah so you've been out of school now for almost a year we're drafted last July look just taking a year off from college being gone for a year what are some of the key stories that come to mind I know you've got a crazy LSU story I've heard some other stories about you in the past so what are some of your key stories that come to mind when you're just thinking about your college baseball days college baseball days I mean it's different 
I mean, being now in like pro ball and like really get, you know, we have so many kids because there's four different level, well, low A, high, double A, triple A. With all those different levels, we have so many different players. You don't really, you're not as your team, but like, you know, guys, but you don't really know, no guys. So I would say one of the main things I miss about college is really being like super close and being able to hang out with like the whole team every I mean every day after practice pretty much get together and whatnot that would be kind of like the one thing that I do miss is the little nuances that come with that super tight knit team setting yeah so who are when you were here when you said you're a close team who were some of the teammates you probably bonded with the most throughout your four years here at IU yeah definitely a couple of the like on the top of my head Grant Machaki, Braden Scott uh, Tommy Sommer. I mean, we were all super close. We all kind of, I would say we almost cared about the game a little too much. So we caught ourselves, you know, after games, always, you know, talking for hours about how each game went, how each person either screwed up or did well and how we could like build off that. So I think that that kind of made us all pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So you, obviously you came back to Bloomington this off season. Uh, so how was your overall, how was your first off season? When exactly did you leave Florida to come back to Bloomington? And uh, when did you end up going back for spring training this year? Yeah, so I was done with the second wave of instructs by, I think it was right around like the beginning of October. So I was in Bloomington from like the middle of October till I'd say the middle, no, the towards the end of February. Okay. So I know, I know you were here in Bloomington. I see that big red shirt you got you wearing. So yep. you're part of the, you were part of that crew that this off season was working at big red liquors. Yep. Yeah. Me and actually me and Braden both. So we were kind of, you know, starting to realize you don't get paid in the off season. We knew it, but we didn't really realize how much it actually yeah. is a struggle. So we picked up, we both worked on, uh, at East third street down in uh, big red liquors, East third street. That is, which one is that? Like over it's, it's like right across. Is it from the, across from the hotels or no? No, that's, that's like the biggest one on campus. We worked at like a smaller one. It was actually kind of nice working on a smaller one. Cause we weren't as busy all the time, yeah. but we worked, it was honestly, if you're, driving towards Mr. Abachi, it's on that route. Okay. All right. So is that your plan for next off season too, to come to Bloomington and work at a liquor store for some extra cash? No, I, no, I sure hope not. But uh, I'm actually, I'm probably going to go down to Nashville because that's where uh, my girlfriend, she got a real big person job. So she's, been, she's down there working, you know, making the money for the two of us right now. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, if you find yourself here in Bloomington next off season, I work I work at a, a nightclub here in town, so I can definitely get you a job as a bouncer or something like that. Makes oh yeah, time. definitely. I mean, I'm I'll I'm definitely going to show my face in Bloomington yeah. at least yeah. off season. There we go. There we go. <laughs> but moving on to the MLB draft last season, so you're drafted by the Red Sox. Um, so heading into last year's draft, just the week ahead, what were some of your thoughts that are going through your head? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a hectic time. Uh, it was just kind of you know, everything's up in the air. You hear everything from under the sun, people, people talking the highest of the highs of you, the lowest of the lows. So it's like, 
you never really know where you're going to fall unless if you're one of like the guys. Yeah. So I was sitting up in my living room up in Dyer, Indiana during the second day. And, you know, I was hoping that I'd go on the second day uh, and, you know, waiting all day, all day. And then finally, like the 10th round call comes around and my uh, agent calls me and he's like, hey, the Red Sox are about to draft you, you know, in the 10th round, 286 pick. And I was just like, really? So they they called my name and I could finally breathe. I didn't eat or drink anything or like talk to anybody the entire day until my name was called. Yeah. Uh, so did you have any pre-draft conversations with the Red Sox before the draft? Actually, no. Uh, I didn't meet with the Red Sox. Like when they do like scout meetings and stuff, uh, when you're in Indiana, they'll do basically like kind of like either regional scouts or like the state scouts, stuff like that. They'll kind of, you know, talk to you, kind of see what kind of person you are, stuff like that, ask you some, you know, monotonous questions. But I actually never had a meeting with the Red Sox. So when my agent called me and said that the Red Sox were planning on drafting me, it was kind of it was a little bit of a shocker, but I was definitely glad to hear such like a historic team was really interested in me. Yeah. So before the draft, what were some of the organizations that you did have those pre-draft conversations with? Uh, I I had like some with like the Dodgers, a couple with the White Sox, kind of just like little talks here and there with like Marlins, Braves, just, you know, little talks here and there. But I was definitely, I talked to, I would say like the Dodgers a little bit more than the most, most of them. But, I mean, Red Sox Nation, baby, dirty water. Yeah, Red Sox is a great organization. But you say you didn't eat or drink almost that whole day until you were drafted. So did you go out, have like a nice celebratory dinner afterwards? Uh, what, what was your celebration words after the draft? It was nice. I actually – so my girlfriend came up uh, to Dyer, and we hung out all day. And then once my name got called, a couple of my buddies from high school, they came over and we – you know, sat around the fire, kind of just, you know, slugged some uh, gumball heads and called it a night because I actually went down to Florida with my girlfriend on like a little vacation before heading down to Fort Myers. Yeah. So how long was it until you were in Fort Myers after the draft? Not very long, probably, probably two weeks, maybe even less than that. I don't quite remember, but I know the turnaround was quick. Okay. So what did you sign the contract before going down to Florida or did you go to Florida to sign the contract and then did you start playing ball right away? I signed I signed the contract the day I got drafted. I was like there you know you can hold out and all that stuff and but like I was like you know what I got my opportunity we're going to sign the contract I'm going to be a part of it and we're going to like lay that to bed so I can just start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Red Sox had a pretty solid draft class last year. Obviously, you in the 10th round, great pick right there. Great closer throwing 100. But Marcelo Meyer, um, a couple other big time guys they picked up. Uh, were there some guys that when you headed down to Fort Myers that you were able to uh, train with who were part of the last year's draft class? Um, yeah, actually, I'm actually in an Airbnb with two of them right now. But it was kind of nice. You know, everybody, every I mean, people get picked from all around the country. So it's like a nice little mix of like, I'm with, I'm rooming with a kid from Oklahoma and then a guy from LA. So it's like, you got an Indiana boy, Oklahoma, LA. So it's a nice little blend of everything. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about earlier how you went through instructs. We came down back to Bloomington to train this off season. Now you're here in your first spring training. Obviously the season starts here pretty soon, but how overall, just how was your first spring training? What was that day to day like? And just how was that for you? Spring training was, well, this spring training has been different. I mean, it, it's kind of what I expected. It's pretty structured, you know, basically show up at the field like 645 to 7.15 in the morning, eat breakfast, get your training in, you like with the rehab group and whatnot, and then throw, lift, work out, watch games, and then you're back at your place and you just do it all over again the next day. But no, it's been cool. Now that, you know, when the lockout ended, it was like nice to see the pro guys actually come in, they're getting their work in. So it's definitely different. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you did have surgery though. So you're part of that rehab, uh, that rehab group. So when did you have surgery and what exactly was that? So I didn't, so I didn't have surgery. I just had like a shoulder. Oh, okay. Yeah. So basically like my senior year when like we saw the velocity tick up a little bit, my shoulder started to roll forward a little bit and it just caused some discomfort in my shoulder. Just, you know, so we worked through it and, you know, gotten all the tightness out of it and whatnot so I'm actually my first bullpen was today I felt really good back uh, on the road to being healthy so basically the rehab group is just the land of misfit toys that are trying you know get back to their uh, programs yeah so with opening day coming up uh, are you like what's the what's the word uh, around around camp um, when people are being assigned places uh, where do you think you're fitting in to start opening day yeah so I might still be going through like the back half of the recent rehab process for opening day, but I'm looking probably to be in low A and then hopefully by the end of the season, I want to be able to make it up to high A and really like, you know, show improve myself and then try and like, you know, develop as much as possible. Yeah. So what are some of your personal goals just heading into this season? Once this rehab's over and you head to a full season ball, what are some of your personal goals? Well, yeah, I mean, number one, obviously stay healthy, pitch a full season, uh, have a good first season. And then, like I said, I want to be able to at least make it up to high A. And then when it comes more to like the baseball side of things, I really want to keep developing off-speed pitches because I feel like I've developed the fastball enough that it'll play. And But the changeup and slider, I feel like are still kind of like lagging a little bit behind the progress that I've made on the fastball. So definitely trying to take the next step with those two pitches and really become like a more well-rounded pitcher. Yeah. So you talked about your pitching repertoire a little bit. You said fastball, your changeup. Uh, what was that third pitch you mentioned? Slider. Slider. So are those the three pitches that you throw or do you have a fourth, fourth pitch in that mix? Yeah, I'm pretty much right now. I'm pretty much four seam, two seam slider guy with a, a show me changeup. Uh, so I kind of want to develop the two seam into more of like a sinker to have a different plane then the changeup I really want to make into more of not just a show me pitch and really be able to use it as an actual weapon opposed to, you know, just flowing it in there every once in a while. Yeah. So have you tried to add any in the past, have you tried to add any pitches, but they just weren't working out for you? Yeah. I mean, I've tried like a couple different variations of like a changeup kind of like a, I mean, through one that was called like a Vulcan where it was pretty much just a splitter with a, fingers crossed around it and then kind of I tried the splitter didn't really work but those were kind of the two main ones that I tried outside the actual pitches that I throw right now yeah 
So if you were a scout watching your game, what would be your scouting report on yourself? Probably a big fastball, likes to, likes to throw strikes, attacks hitters, developing high spin rate slider, developing command for it. And then the changeup I would probably say is a little below average. Definitely, you know, like I said, it's a work in progress, so it's not going to be perfect, but definitely below average changeup needs to be able to locate it better. Yeah. Uh, so just digging into your passions against people that you've hit against, obviously playing the Big Ten, a pretty good baseball conference. Um, who would you say is probably the hardest hitter that you've ever faced in your career, the toughest out? I mean, I might have to pick a kid from our own team, to be honest. I know that, uh, like, Matt Lloyd, he was, uh, he was always a tough at-bat, you know, just to pitch to him because he's like – He's he hits for power, but he also just like can nickel and dime you to death. Yeah. So he was always tough. But outside our own team, probably, probably a guy like Ben Nissel. He's a he's actually from my hometown area, but he went to Purdue, and he's another one of those. He's definitely hits for power, and then he would also just you know put bat to ball and hit it wherever it's thrown. So they were always two pesky outs. Yeah, yeah. What about Matt Gorski? I mean, you got to face up against him, uh, probably, obviously, right, in, in inter-squad inter scrimmages. So what was what was it like facing Gorski? Oh, Gorski was, you know, he was easy to throw to because most of the time you just walked him and then just <laughs> let him <laughs> let him run on the bases and then just try to, you know, keep him from scoring. That, that was pretty much how I faced Gorski. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was talking to uh, Matt, one of the video guys here at IU, and he was like the main guy back when Gorski was in town and he said Gorski celebrate the team's celebration when Gorski would hit a home run is just like wave goodbye as if he was head because uh, he was heading to the uh, draft of course but I oh thought, yeah I thought that was a pretty cool story to hear it was just the guys would just wave to him oh yeah when he I mean I went he went in the I think he went in the second round I mean everybody knew it he was I mean he's an athletic freak not only on the baseball field but he play soccer he can play soccer basketball I mean you tell him to play badminton he'd be able to play it so everybody knew he was gone so like that was a fun little celebration that we had anytime he either I mean he did anything everybody would just wave goodbye to him like have you got have you got a chance to see what this year's team uh is celebrating here down in Bloomington yeah they're they're doing like the ring yeah so uh Bobby Whalen I guess you have to play with him so oh Definitely. Love Bobby. Uh, so apparently Mercer had a meeting and said, like, you guys need to pick up the phone or something like that. And Bobby, like, said, we need to pick up the phone, guys. So, like, that next game they played Miami, Ohio, hit, like, five home runs. And their thing was just, like, picking up the phone and then, like, slamming it down. Uh, that's that's a pretty cool celebration to see in person. Obviously, haven't had oh, yeah. a lot of games to see it yet. But it's it's a pretty cool celebration. Yeah, no, I mean, they're – I mean, they're going – well for themselves right now I mean they're gonna pick it up I have a feeling I mean they've waited they've just too much talent on that team too yeah I mean they've got I mean that lineup one through nine is crazy yeah I mean I, I if I was pitching in the big 10 right now honestly that lineup I mean you got Brock Tibbetts a freshman that's like hitting I don't even know what probably like 350 maybe 400 with like five bombs like if that's when one of the freshmen are playing, then yeah, they're going to be solid. Yeah, and then we've got three freshmen in that in that uh, lineup right now, which they're all dominating right now. 
Yeah, Carter and Josh too. Yeah, yeah, Carter's from my hometown, so it's cool watching him. He's gonna be he's gonna be really good one day. I mean, I when you see all of them play, Brock doesn't strike out. I mean, Pine he kind of I feel like he got shocked a little bit at the beginning of the season, and then he just said, you know what, we're just gonna play my game of baseball, and he's just he's been playing really well too. Carter's been playing really well, so it's nice to see. Yeah, and we got Luke Hayden, the Tuesday guy. He's a good freshman pitching on the mound. Oh, he's cool. I, training down in Bloomington, getting to watch him throw it in person. Because, I mean, when he was committed to Indiana, obviously he was a highly talked about guy. So getting to actually see him throw in person, he's he's the definition of electric. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if somehow Montgomery ended up here in Bloomington and uh, there was a guy drafted by T.J. White, I think his name was. Yeah, I mean, but that, like, that would have been a to have all five of the well, six of those guys here. Yeah, I mean, if Colson if Colson came to Indiana, that I mean, he's passing out in like a one point seven or whatever he signed for. So good for him. Yeah, <laughs> for making... yeah. Oh, <laughs> anyway, one obviously, um, like I said before the interview, I want to be an MLB PDA certified agent. That's what I'm trying to do once I graduate here from IU. Uh, every time I have a pro guy on, I like to go through their agent selection process how their agents reached out, what made them so significant to want to sign with them, all those types of questions. So when exactly did Nello, your your agent, when exactly did he reach out to you? So I started talking to Nello the summer that I played with the Making Bacon. So the COVID year, after the COVID season ended, we, me and Braden, we went down to Making to play with the Bacon. Making Bacon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I didn't have an agent at that point. So Nello actually, he reached through Twitter and asked me if I had one and if I'd be willing to hear him out if I didn't have one. So I heard him out and I've always, I've heard great things about him from everybody that worked with him. I mean, an old name like Logan Kalitha, Timmy Heron, they both worked, worked with him and they always had the highest, you know, regards for him. So, so we ended up working officially starting to work together by I want to say the end of that summer bowl season and honestly he's been a blessing ever since he's you know gone to bat for me worked out a couple things for me and I love it yeah was was there anybody else that you talked to throughout the process um to be honest I kind of just felt right with Nello you know being that I had a couple of my closer friends that had already worked with him or are currently still playing professional baseball and working with him. Just give me the right, you know, what I was looking for in an agent. You know, I was looking for somebody who actually cared for you, not only as like an athlete, but as a, a person too. So Nello kind of fit like the description for me. Yeah. So you say Nello's worked out a few things for you. Obviously you don't have to talk about it if it's personal, but what are some of those uh, things? Uh, just like little things like I mean he worked out like a little like he gets me like cleats and stuff like that definitely stuff like that and then like he helped me out I mean obviously big time with the draft you know being that I hurt I got hurt my senior year at Indiana it was kind of like a pressure filled situation for me so me sitting there and like doubting that if any team's gonna actually you know take a risk on me and he helped me out like a lot through like just kind of coaching me through and helped me, you know, work through the nuances of what the draft actually was. Yeah. So how often, um, just now being in pro ball, just being in season, how often do you talk to Nello? 
I'll probably catch up with Mel about once a week, maybe two weeks, depending on, you know, what time of the season it is. But, I mean, he's great about, you know, just texting me and asking me how I'm doing and, you know, how's baseball going, how's the actual life outside baseball going. So, I mean, yeah, we'll catch up every, like, week, two weeks. Yeah. So did he ever get the chance to come see you and Tommy here in Bloomington? He actually saw us at Northwestern. I know for sure. I think he, I think he did make a couple of trips to Bloomington for me and Tommy, but I know that he saw for a fact our Friday night game against Northwestern. Okay. He's with Reese Sharp too as well, as well, right? Oh, really? I I honestly didn't I know that. Remember. I talked to I talked to Reese about it. He said his advisor was someone who advised someone on the team before. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go back and listen. I'm not 100% yeah. sure if it was him or not. Yeah, we have a – I mean, usually if a player has somebody who they feel comfortable with, a lot of times, like, they'll recommend them just because it's easy to fall into the wrong agent's, like, hands, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's a business at the end of the day, and, like, baseball's not exactly a, you know – fluffy daydream it's kind of like a cutthroat business so it's easy to fall in the hands of somebody who only cares about oh what you're going to sign for opposed to this kid's got a chance you know do great things yeah especially when the guys are 21 22 or even with the high school guys 18 like it's 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 easy for some of those guys to fall into the wrong hands so it's definitely yeah definitely a good good thing to recommend some of the the good agents and advisors that people are getting um, yeah Anyway, moving on from baseball, we've talked about that for about 20, 25 minutes. So let's move on from the field. What are some of your passions beyond the baseball field? Uh, probably, I mean, huge family guy, huge friends guy, definitely. But I'd say number one in my heart's Call of Duty. <laughs> Been running a rebirth with a couple of the guys down here. But no, I love that, you know, kind of, oh, I have a dog that I, you know, love dearly, want to yeah. miss him completely. I got him in college, so not being able to, like, have him around all day and kind of, you know, like, fall asleep next to him and stuff, it kind of sucks, but I'm looking forward to seeing him again. But, yeah, no, kind of – I'm not a huge, like, go-out guy. I'm kind of just, you know, I'd rather – I'm more of a bonfire than club guy, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's, that's pretty normal in northern Indiana, being from northern Indiana as well. I mean – I know a lot of my buddies, if they could choose being a, by a bonfire, drinking some beer rather than a club paying five bucks a beer, I think they yeah. all choose um, sitting by a fire. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, that's some of, the, like, my favorite memories of just kind of, like, the nights where it's, like, the ragtag nights where, like, you're like, hey, guys, like, bonfire in my house. You send that at, like, 10 o'clock, and then people show up at, like, 11. And yeah. It's just... like it's so, in, in those country towns, it's so quick to where you can, you can plan something the night of and people at your place – 20 25 minutes later yeah exactly yeah um so obviously besides the bonfires what are some of your favorite things to do in dire dire there's not much to do but i mean kind of just doing whatever with the guys i mean like we have the bowling alley that was always like a random one that we would like to do we kind of just did like that little like random home wall place stuff yeah. What about, so you've been in Fort Myers now for a month. 
What are, have you found anything that you like doing in Fort Myers besides obviously being at the complex training? Is there something that you and some of your guys like to go out and do? Yeah, I mean, like obviously we're close to a beach and being from Indiana, I definitely have used that as much as I can going to the beach. But I mean, there's like a couple little things like a pop stroke. It's like it's like a mini golf. It's like an adult mini golf. And like we have class there, you know, they have like waiters that come around and take drink orders, stuff like that. And it's actually, I think, I think Tiger Woods, he made it. It's like, I don't know, but it's fun. It's yeah. one of the like, ones that we usually do every once in a while. Yeah. So one last question for you. Obviously you went to Lake Central. It's a pretty much a baseball powerhouse. They've got a bunch of guys right now committed to a lot yeah. of big time schools. Have you gotten a chance to see some of those guys play? Yeah, actually, uh, like Matt Santana, the Tennessee commit, the catcher, he used to actually catch some of my bullpens when he could have been. I mean, he was probably. I mean, if he's he's probably sixteen now, seventeen. Yeah, he's, a, he's a junior, so. Seven, yeah, he was probably like fourteen catching my bullpens ever since then. So, no, I've gotten to follow him a little bit. You know, I know some of the guys uh, that are there, and then we actually. I have an Indiana commit, so yeah, Griffin Tobias. Yes, sir. I actually, I, I had the pleasure of like talking to him a little bit because he had some questions about the recruiting uh, process. But no, he's a good one with a good head on his shoulders. I'm sure he's going to be playing great this year. So it'll be fun to help with them. Yeah, I'm working. I'm working. I'm doing some uh, like content stuff with some of those Bulls players in the 2023-24 classes. So pretty excited to see how they play this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that Bulls team, like, I mean, isn't that the one that's, like, headlined by uh, Max Clark? Yeah, so 20, uh, 23, Tobias is 24, but, I mean, that 24 yeah. class, that, that they're right behind the 23s. Yeah. I mean, that Max Clark team has Drake Bowen going to Notre Dame for football and baseball, Santana yeah. going to Tennessee. Um, they got Sam West. He was committed to Alabama for baseball. They ended up decommitting and committed to IU this weekend for football oh really so hmm. I mean, that that 23 class for the bulls is legit they got like their own national team now it's i'm excited to watch them play this year oh yeah definitely i mean it's it's nice being so close to like such a big baseball complex like right there in the heart of indy yeah how far how far is dyer from indianapolis mm, two two and a half depending on how fast you want to drive yeah that's that's not bad is there like an interstate that you can hop on and you're there pretty quickly i don't know i'm a pretty i'm a pretty back roads guy i hate just driving on highways so usually whenever like there's a back roads route i take that one so yeah is dire is that close to illinois line or no i've never really been to like northwest indiana besides driving through to go to chicago so i've never i don't really know that area very well no, yeah, we're, I mean, my house is probably, I mean, it's right next to the border. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, we're, like, right next to the border of literally Michigan and Illinois. So, okay. so you're close to, you're close to Lake Michigan then? Yeah, probably, I mean, I'm 45 minutes away from the city, like 30 minutes away from Lake Michigan. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, Matt, that's all the questions I got for you. I re- really want to uh, thank you for coming on the show. Obviously, I never got the chance to watch you play here in Bloomington because of COVID, but I'll be going out to the New England area this this summer, and I know the minor league teams are all in that area. So I'm definitely going to be making a trip to go watch you watch you pitch this season. 
And I just want to wish you uh, the best of luck on the rest of your career and this season. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And like whenever you're out on the East Coast watching some of those games, let me know. That's going to do it for today's episode with Matt Litwicky. Just want to thank Matt for coming on the show. Always love having those Hoosiers on the show, just talking about Bloomington, talking about Coach Mercer, everything he's done for the program. Just overall Indiana baseball is just so great. Um, Matt Litwicky, he's a great guy, great player. As an older guy, I'm hoping he's kind of on the fast track to Fenway Park, looking like he could possibly be. Make sure to tune in these next couple weeks to the J.K.R.A. podcast as I start the J.K.R.A. podcast Texas edition, which is going to be sponsored by Evolve Baseball Training. It's going to be two weeks of nothing but Texas baseball content. Texas, in my opinion, might be the best high school baseball state in the nation. So I'm really looking forward to have all those guys on the show. That schedule will be announced very soon. Um, to get that schedule, go to our Instagram, go to our Twitter. That's going to be at J.K.R. underscore podcast. Also go to our website at www.jkrpodcast.com. So check those out. Give us a follow. Subscribe to us here on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But with that being said, I'll catch you guys next week as I've got 1031 Marketing CEO Nate Ebel on the show. Really looking forward to that one as well. So tune into that, and I'll catch you guys later.